Well, for the first time in almost a full calendar year, football is back in the eucalyptus curtain. The Cardinal versus Colorado. Well, what are we going to find? Most important, will everyone pass their COVID test? A lot to sort through, and we're glad you're here for it on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network, Thursday, November 12th, 2020, a couple days out from Stanford football game day on the farm. It's going to be a little different for obvious reasons for this season, but looking forward to uh, being back at Stanford Stadium and watching the Cardinal take the field. And glad you're here with us. I am indeed Troy Clarity. Hello, hope you're staying safe. Hope you are staying healthy and uh, hope that uh, you're having a good week. Looking forward to having it wrap up with Stanford football. A lot where we, a lot that we're gonna do on this uh, episode of the show. Uh, we're gonna tell you where Stanford can get better from its 35-14 loss to Oregon last week. We're obviously going to preview the Buffs. That's 12.30 p.m. kickoff on ESPN this Saturday. Hey, my man Rod Gilmore doing the color anal- analysis uh, for ESPN on that game. And I'll tell you why I'm, expe- why I'm especially excited for this matchup. So a lot of things to do on the TreeCast. Thank you for spending part of your time here with us. couple of reminders. Number one. Subscribe to the show. If you haven't done so already, you can do it via your favorite listening app, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Then after you subscribe and after you download and after you listen, make sure you rate and review each and every show. Well, not each and every show. I mean, you can't just just rate and review the show. Tell folks what you think about the program, why you love it, because everyone loves the TreeCast, right? But uh, tell everyone about the TreeCast. We are certainly uh, glad to be in our fifth overall season of bringing you Stanford football like no other podcast possibly can, and uh, very appreciative of the Believe Podcast Network and their help uh, since joining them back in February. We're here, finally, Stanford football back on the farm. Now, football overall is back, NFL and college, and you might not be at the game this year. I'll, I'll be at the game this Saturday, but but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Game spreads and totals, the team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there's always the online casino. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We got to get you three things you need to know around Stanford, two of them for football and one of them for basketball. Let's dive into it. Three things you need to know, starting with number one. Well, and as usual, during the football season, we begin with an injury update. And as usual in 2020, we also update things in the COVID-19 department. During his weekly presser on Tuesday afternoon, David Shaw noted that the team was dealing with four COVID-related issues. A reminder that three Stanford players were held out of the Oregon game uh, due to coronavirus concerns. So an increase uh, in the coronavirus numbers uh, for Stanford that is never welcome, either at Stanford or on a state or nationwide level. But here we are. Shaw would not elaborate on any specifics only that he hoped to have those situations resolved by game time. And of course, 
I'm sure that we all hope that the people affected are staying healthy. As for more conventional football injuries, which sounds strange to say, but let's face it, this is a strange year. Inside linebackers Ricky Miazon and Lavani Damuni, who got an interception and a fumble recovery in Eugene, both of those guys are questionable, as is outside linebacker Toby Umara. The injury news not necessarily all bad, though, as David Shaw tells us. Hoping to have Caillou Kelly, um, Caillou Blue Kelly back for this game. Uh, we'll see. Was able to participate last night. We'll see how it goes the next couple of days. Uh, some other bumps and bruises, uh, which could affect who's, who's uh, available for the game, but no other determinations right now outside the two that I mentioned, uh, Ricky and, and Lavani. Uh, probably the two uh, biggest issues right now. We'll see how everybody else is later in the week. Yeah, if Caillou Blue Kelly can return, that will certainly help the secondary. Stanford would get its best corner back on the field. Inside linebacker, a big question mark right now, though, and Stanford may be looking at other position units for answers there. More on that later. Let's get to number two. And we need to elaborate on the COVID situation for Stanford a little bit and some of its, its ramifications. One of the Stanford players held out of last week's game for the Cardinal and Eugene was quarterback Davis Mills. Now, given the fact that there was some question about Mills' potential status for this week against Colorado, the ESPN broadcast crew said Mills would be out this week. David Shaw told us after the game that he wasn't sure. It seems that Mills is one of those COVID issues that needs to be resolved. If Mills is not available, it will be a combination of Jack West, a quarterback, with a little bit of Tanner McKee sprinkled in. Shaw seems comfortable with that, given from what he saw from both of those young men last week. I thought as far as get the lion's share of the game, I thought Jack did extremely well. It was great in the huddles, great on the sidelines. All of our at the line scrimmage, um, checks and audibles. Um, I want to say 100% got it all right. The main throws that we missed, he had the ball deflected. And the balls that we missed were the, the throws that take some timing. Uh, we missed some, some deep balls. We missed some fade routes. We missed some jump balls. Uh, both quarterbacks did. Um, but at the same time, those are throws that they have to make. Um, we're very pleased uh, with these two guys. And uh, if Davis does not come back, I would anticipate, anticipate seeing both of them uh, perform again. Um, both guys would prepare to do so, uh, just in case. Yeah, worth noting that, David, uh, that Davis Mills is still QB1 on Stanford's depth chart for this week. So that's worth noting, but... He was also QB1 last week, too. Uh, if he's unavailable for this week against Colorado, expect a similar quarterback rotation that we saw last week up in Oregon. How about some hoops news? Let's finish up three things with number three. And Stanford men's basketball's non-conference schedule is set. You know about Stanford's scheduled trip to the Maui Invitational in Asheville, North Carolina, and you knew about Stanford's scheduled opener against Utah Valley at Maples on November the 25th. Not only that, you heard about it here first on the TreeCast when we had both Stanford men's basketball head coach Jared Haas and Utah Valley uh, men's basketball head coach Mark Madsen on the program. Now, after that opener against Utah Valley and the Maui Invitational to close out the month of November, Cardinal are slated to host Cal Poly on December 7th, Loyola Marymount on December 9th, and Sacramento State on December 21st with all of those games at Maples. Cardinal will begin its conference schedule, their first conference game at USC on December the 13th. So good news, folks. A lot to be excited about for Stanford men's basketball and hoop season is almost here. We hope.
Those are three things. Taking you back to the Oregon game for just a brief moment, uh, we did have a full breakdown of that game uh, earlier this week. Uh, I always encourage you, if you want to get caught up on the TreeCast, whether it's a very recent episode or you want to reach back into the vault for some of the great interviews that we've had over the past few months, I, I highly encourage you to do so. Some of the guests that we've that we've had on the show include Jared Haas and Mark Madison, as we just mentioned. Uh, David Shaw's joined us for a couple of exclusive one-on-one chats. Uh, Stanford football all-time greats like uh, Troy Walters, uh, Senator Cory Booker, and uh, Stanford men's basketball greats uh, like Brevin Knight as well. Tara Vanderveer joined us on the show uh, back in September, too. So I, I always, always encourage you guys to, to reach back and uh, get caught up on previous TreeCast episodes because I, I, I have a pretty good feeling you're going to like what you hear. But we did a full, pre- a full uh, review of Stanford versus Oregon, and we put out that episode on Sunday. And a mixed bag, clearly, for Stanford overall against Oregon in that 35-14 loss. Some good things, some not-so-great things, and some downright ugly things for the Cardinal. And and, and David Shaw probably felt a, a lot like many of you did after that Oregon game. We're not satisfied um, playing a good team, a good team close. Um, uh, that's, that's never been our goal. Um, I know we had a difficult situation, but bottom line for us is we played, um, we played okay. And I mean, I believe we can play a lot better. And that's kind of consensus from our coaches, consensus from our from our team. And consensus from the fans, too, I, I, I'd imagine, although I think there might be some argument on whether Stanford played Oregon close or not. Certainly in the first 20, 25 minutes or so, but, but, but after that, the Ducks uh, had clear control of that game. So... Good, bad, and ugly for Stanford. Offensive line, good. Defense, bad, ugly. Kicking game. So where can Stanford build on this week against Colorado? We'll dive deeper into the Buffaloes and and preview them in a bit more detail here in just a couple minutes or so, but let's just focus on Stanford here. Offensively, Stanford must do a better job of capitalizing in goal-to-go situations, and I don't mean field goals here. I mean touchdowns. Stanford had mixed results in that department last week up in Eugene. Stanford with three goal-to-goal situations. And they were able to punch it in on the ground twice. One of the many important facets of Stanford's ground game and the symbiosis, uh, the simpatico between the uh, Stanford offensive line and the running backs. They, They look great. Stanford was able to punch it in on the ground twice in goal-to-go situations, but the other opportunity they tried to throw for it, and that was less successful. On Tuesday, during his weekly press conference, I asked David Shaw what he took away from how Stanford did in goal-to-go against Oregon. Pretty straightforward. Um, we, uh, we missed opportunities. We've got a very good receiving core uh, that when we have one-on-one opportunities, we got to give them opportunities to, to make those. And uh, bottom line for me is I think only one of those, maybe two of those throws, our guys got a hand on. And um, that's just lack of working together. That's, um, you know, um, but once again, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. We got to give guys opportunity to, to make plays. Um, that was it. Um, running game I thought was solid uh, down there. Um, hindsight is always great. Right. If you don't complete the passes, then, yeah, you should have run every single time. 
Um, but if you complete those passes, then you say, well, why would we ever run it down there? We got those guys that – so the bottom line for us is to be is to be able to do both. You know, if they load the box um, like like Oregon did and gave us our receivers one-on-one outside, um, we've proven for over a decade um, that we're going to throw the ball up to our big guys and let them make plays. I can run down a list of guys that, that, that we've done that with, and I can look at the guys on our, on our team right now that – um, should be outstanding at that. And I believe are very good at that. So we got to continue to practice, um, make, a, make, a, make the throws, make the catches. Um, you know, the, the, the pass interference on, on uh, Simi Kohoko, it was a good call. You know, it was a good call. Um, they, were, they were hand fighting and, and Simi extended his arm to, to create some space. And that's going to get called. He'll learn from that. Uh, but he, both he and, and, um, uh, and all those guys down there, you know, uh, we we put in our freshman, uh, John Humphreys. You know, John's got, you know, 70-something career touchdowns coming out of high school. He's a basketball player. He's great down there. Um, so, you know, we, we've got multiple guys that can be effective down there. But, yes, we will be balanced between run and pass. And we got to give guys um, those opportunities as well. That's David Shaw. And, well, so if you were hoping the end zone fade wasn't in the playbook anymore, well, there goes that idea. Now, that being said, he does have a point. If the defense, if the opposing defense is low in the box, then as deep and as talented as we think Stanford's wide receiving core is, they've got enough guys who, who should be able to win those one-on-one matchups. I mean, Shaw named a bunch of them and a couple guys that we haven't really had a real chance to take a look at because they're, they're pretty young guys, but Shaw named a bunch of them. Now, of course, the wide receiver needs some help from his quarterback so he can make a play on the ball and not committing penalties would also be a good idea. Fajoko, yeah, he, he, he pushed off. He pushed off right call on that uh, offensive pass interference there. So that would be good too. I'm, I'm not, a huge fan of end zone fades, but but there's a reason why many teams, and not just Stanford, there's a reason why many teams use them. They're tough to stop, especially if you've got a receiver who can get it and a quarterback who can get it to him and let him make a play. Again, they're not my favorite, but it doesn't seem like they're going away. The, the, the Stanford Offensive Brain Trust has not ripped that page out of the playbook especially if the other team loads the box. Now, we've talked about it before. There are so many things that go into a successful offense, right? Chief among them, scheme, play calling, and execution. you got to have all three of those things working in concert with each other if you want an offense that scores touchdowns, particularly in goal-to-go situations where You have to do all the little things right. The closer you get to the end zone, the more little things you have to do right to punch it in and get six instead of settling for three and maybe running the risk of not coming away with anything at all. So I I was, I was, you know, intrigued to, to get David Shaw's thoughts on, 
on how the staff, how the offensive staff came away with their approach to how Stanford performed in goal-to-go situations. And he said, yeah, you know, hindsight being 2020, you know, you see you're doing well in the running game. Uh, part of me says, well, why, why don't they stick to the run in goal-to-go situations? But, you know, if the off, if defense is saying, hey, we're, we're, we're matching up your receivers one-on-one, we're probably going to take that matchup every single time. So there you have it. But, Goal-to-go execution and scheme and play calling all need to improve, I think, going forward. Not just this week against Colorado, but going forward. Defensively, there, there are many points of improvement for Stanford. I like how they played the first 20 minutes, final 40 minutes, pretty rough. Cardinal coughed up 269 yards rushing to Oregon last week. 269. They allowed the Ducks to convert 9 of 11 on third down including eight in a row at one point. On Tuesday, Stanford defensive end Thomas Booker broke down the Oregon game from the Stanford defensive line's perspective. I think physically um, we did take it to the Oregon offensive line. Um, I think that we still could have done better in terms of the ways that we played their blocking scheme. Um, They had a different offensive coordinator, so their blocking techniques were a bit different than what we'd expected or seen during the week. So I think we could have done a better job adjusting to that at halftime or during the the first couple quarters because while we were getting off they were getting some movement on us just because of the the way that they were doing their double teams or their piggyback blocks their stepways and comebacks so uh just adjusting to that but in terms of the aggression uh and the effort i think it was all there um i think there are definitely some cases where we could have made plays that we didn't end up making you know but for a first outing i think we were aggressive um i don't think anybody was holding anything back so it was something to build on for sure, but yeah, room for improvement. That's Thomas Booker. I, I'm 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 not ashamed to tell you I'm a big fan of that guy, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm either going to be working for that guy or voting for that guy at some point soon before my uh, life, my time on this planet is over. And, and some intriguing, uh, intriguing stuff that he said on on the adjustments. I mean, look, Oregon with as many new things as they had, and we talked about this last week. Uh, Oregon with as many new things as they brought to the table offensively, new quarterback, basically an entirely new offensive line, and a new offensive play caller too, you know, there are still a lot of things that Stanford did not quite know about what Oregon was going to do, uh, try to do against Stanford uh, defensively. So some intriguing stuff that uh, Thomas said on, on, on the adjustments. Keep in mind, by the way, uh, Colorado, Maybe not quite as entirely new, but they do have a new head coach. Uh, Darren Shiverini, the uh, offensive uh, p- uh, the offensive coordinator for Colorado, is familiar to the Buffs, so it's not like they're bringing in somebody in uh, from somebody else, from somewhere else, rather. But potentially some similar things this week, this time around against Colorado. Who knows? Who knows? But certainly something to watch as that chess match unfolds in the trenches. Now, given all of that, Booker has his points of emphasis for the Stanford defense and the defensive line this week? I think for us, um, it's just continued good play. You know, when we were in Oregon, I feel like the first half, we played pretty well, uh, got two turnovers. We're stopping the run pretty well. And then for whatever reason, in the second half, we kind of let it get away from us, you know? So I think that that's the big thing for us, consistency throughout the entire game and playing excellent and getting takeaways the entire game is going to be big for us, specifically as the D-line. I think playing like double teams better or recognizing it better um, is going to be a big key for us this week, just because this is another like very, uh, very powerful rushing offense, you know, so they're going to be trying to go downhill. So us being able to stop the run, 
uh, rush the passer and create turnovers uh, is going to be the thing and doing it the entire game, not just the first half. Thomas Booker spot on there. And oh, by the way, Colorado, super impressive on the ground in their win over UCLA last week. Which brings us to the Buffaloes. And my weekly reminder during the season that, hey, the other team is trying to win too, right? <laughs> you know, you can, we can make this as Stanford-centric as, 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 as you want to, but hey, look, the other team's out there trying to win too. So here come the Buffaloes. And they're coming into Stanford already 1-0, already in the win column where, where Stanford's trying to get. They took advantage of four first-half turnovers from UCLA, built a 35-14 halftime lead, and then held on and won 48-42. Oregon, with 269 yards rushing against Stanford last week, well, Colorado almost fared as well as uh, against UCLA. Buffs rolled up 264 yards rushing on the Bruins. 187 of those yards uh, coming from, from tailback uh, Jarek Broussard. Broussard named Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week. Not bad for the kid making his collegiate debut. Broussard also scored three touchdowns along the way. Shaw, very impressed by the Buffs. Uh, I thought they came out and played great against UCLA. Um, they, they've been one of the underrated teams in our conference for the last couple of years. Um, they've lost some tight games. Um, they've won some really good games, too. Um, defensively, I think they do an outstanding job uh, of mixing it up against you. Um, they're really difficult to to get off the field, um, to, to keep stay on the field on third down. Um, great blitz, uh, blitz package. Um, and uh, offensively, they've got playmakers. So um, um, they played very well against UCLA. Yeah, Colorado was actually down a couple of those playmakers against UCLA, specifically wide receiver K.D. Nixon. He did not play as he's nursing a hamstring injury. Apparently he's questionable this week. Um, Alex Fontenot. Uh, Colorado tailback, he's out indefinitely. He was the Buffs' uh, leading rusher last year. It, it seems kind of weird to be talking about Colorado without uh, their uh, Swiss Army knife receiver from last year, LaVisca Chenault, and the big plays he made against the, uh, Car the Cardinal last year in the Buffs' last second win in Boulder last season. By the way, along the way, uh, Colorado last week lost center Colby Purcell during that game. He's doubtful for this week. Might be something to keep an eye on in this game. Shaw was also impressed by CU's ability to stay on the field on third down. You just heard him mention it there. That comment certainly caught my attention. And I'm sure that Stanford's defense is fully aware of this too, given its struggles in getting off the field on third down over the last couple of years. Some of Shaw's other observations from checking out the tape of the Buffs against the Bruins. Um, I thought top to bottom, I thought uh, Colorado, they played with a lot of aggression. They played fast. They played physical. Um, it didn't look like a game one for them. Um, they created a ton of turnovers uh, um, on, uh, against UCLA. Uh, got great field position, turned those things into points. Um, they played the way that you're supposed to play. Play hard, play physical, create turnovers, and, and score in the red zone. And uh, that's what they did. Yeah, and they did it with the new head coach in Carl Dorrell, who didn't get any practice time with the squad back in the spring before everything shut down. Heck, he didn't even take the, get in, uh, the gig until, what, mid-February? After Mel Tucker bolted for East Lansing. They also did it with the quarterback who was playing safety 
this time last year and was headed out the door to grad to the graduate transfer portal this winter. Kid's name is Sam Neuer. He began his CU career at quarterback, went to safety, then moved back to quarterback this offseason. Kind of sounds like what Scott Frost did at Stanford, right? Remember him? Came in as a highly touted quarterback uh, for Stanford, ended, ended up playing some, uh, some uh, spending some time at safety. Remember he got a pick against San Jose State his sophomore year and then moved back to quarterback for good after Steve Stenstrom got hurt. Speaking of Steve Stenstrom, his son Blake, Start was a uh, was a started his collegiate career at Colorado. The Stemstroms, I believe, still reside in the uh, Denver area, uh, and Stemstrom actually got some playing time last year. But uh, Blake decided to transfer to uh, Princeton during the spring. So interesting ties with uh, Steve Stenstrom and Colorado and Stanford. More on that later on in the show, by the way. But back to Sam Neuer, who went twenty of thirty one for two hundred and fifty seven yards and a touchdown. And he did it mostly by, by throwing high-percentage short passes, the kind of passes I thought I'd see more of from Jack West and Tanner McKee last week. I thought they kind of threw more lobs and fades than I was kind of expecting and that I would prefer to have seen from, from quarterbacks with their experience or relative lack thereof. But, you know, the, the high-percentage short passes – uh, they, 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 that's what Sam Neuer was throwing for most of the way against UCLA. And for the most part, it worked. Neuer also ran for 64 yards and a touchdown, mostly on designed runs, not too many scrambles. Neuer definitely has the mobility and it will definitely be in CU's game plan. David Shaw hopes the Stanford defense is ready. Well, we found that out, uh, this past weekend, um, you know, the Oregon ran the quarterback a little bit more than we anticipated. Um, we always know that's in part of everybody's game plan. Um, you know, it, it's been in our game plan, uh, whether or not we've gotten a, a running quarterback or not. So it's something you have to account for in college football. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're constantly preparing for that. Um, Oregon did a good job of scheming a couple of things to get them on the edge, running a couple of speed options. Um, so you always anticipate uh, the next team. Um, trying to do what the last team did. So we're preparing for that as well as what uh, Colorado put on film from last week against UCLA. So um, everybody in college football, you have to account for the, the quarterback as a runner. Um, that's just part of, part of uh, being a coach in college football these days. Yeah. The, the outside option game could be the key here. One of the keys here for the Buffaloes. And that means the outside linebackers, specifically Thunder Keck, for Stanford, who really struggled in this respect uh, last week at Oregon when Tyler Shuck um, just, just just fooled him silly on a couple of occasions, quite honestly. One for a touchdown. So Thunder Keck and the other outside linebackers for Stanford had better be ready this time around. Now, as, as many good things as Colorado did against UCLA last week, it wasn't all great for the Buffs. They had two field goals blocked. Their kicker actually ended up retiring after the game. Their defense got called for four pass interference penalties. They got called for nine penalties overall. A reminder that Stanford got flagged 10 times last week, including a defensive chop block. I've never seen that before in my life. And Colorado's defense also gave up a bunch of chunk plays, especially in the final 35 minutes against UCLA, where they allowed 14 plays of 10 yards or more helping to kind of lead the way to a to a UCLA comeback. The Bruins never took the lead, but for a while there, you're sitting there and thinking and going, wow, is this Bruins going to do to the Buffaloes what they did to the to the Cougs up in Pullman last year? <laughs> Scoring 50 points in what, like the final 20 minutes of that game to shock Washington State? I still can't believe that happened. 
And while Colorado's defense was active, they also made a lot of big mistakes in coverage. Can Stanford take advantage? We'll see. We'll see. So a lot of things to watch for Stanford and Colorado here. Colorado trying to go 2-0. Stanford trying to even up its record at 1-1. One and one. and you know, a lot of reasons to, 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 to think that, that this game could go either way. Now, how's Colorado going to do on the road? We'll see. Who's going to be taking snaps for Stanford? We'll see. Other keys to the game from my perspective coming up in just a couple minutes. But, but, but first, you know, Stanford versus Colorado, let's be honest. It, it doesn't get Cardinal fans going like, say, Stanford versus USC or Stanford versus Cal or Stanford versus Notre Dame. That being said, I admit I, I get a little excited when I see the buffs at Stanford Stadium. Because it kind of takes me back to September 18th, 1993. That night, 20th-ranked Stanford hosting 8th-ranked Colorado. A lot of headliners on the field that night. Bill Walsh, of course, on the Stanford sidelines the second year of his second term as the Stanford head coach. Steve Stenstrom on his way to setting school passing records. And I, I believe someone named David Shaw started at Flanker that night for the Cardinals. Meanwhile, Colorado, they had some dudes. They had some bona fide dudes on that team. Cordell Stewart, a quarterback, Charles Johnson, wide receiver, and Rashawn Salam at tailback. I mean, all, all Salam did was, was win the Heisman Trophy the following year. And you might remember how that game finished. Steve Stenstrom to Tony Klein with eight seconds left on a play that might be called an incomplete pass today because as soon as Klein caught the ball and got maybe, maybe, maybe five toes down. He was hit immediately and lost the ball. Ref signaled touchdown. Stanford said, thank you very much. Took a 41-37 lead. And, and, and that game's final play was actually a Hail Mary from Cordell Stewart that fell incomplete. He'd have a bit more success on a Hail Mary pass the following year in Michigan. But Stanford beat Colorado 41-37 that night on national TV. Pretty memorable game for all who watched it on TV and a pretty memorable game for me, especially for me because that was my first Stanford football game ever on TV and in person. I was in the Northeast stands at the, at the old Stanford stadium. I was there and I picked, I think I picked a good one <laughs> to make my first Stanford football game. No. And then the following week I was joining the rest of the Stanford class of 1997. So I'll be thinking about that game a bit on Saturday when I'm walking into Stanford Stadium for my, and I did the math here, 165th Stanford football game in person. <laughs> That's a lot. I am old, you know. So I'll be thinking about that game for a little bit on Saturday. Hopefully I'm not thinking at all about the 2016 game between Stanford and Colorado at any point on Saturday. Remember that game? Final score was 10 to 5. Ew. Ugh. All right, back to the present and a couple things that uh, I'm going to be making as my keys to the game. As many of you uh, know who have listened to the show over the past few months, 
I do not make predictions, especially this year. I am out of the prediction business. Too many variables. Uh, too many things can happen. Even in the hours before kickoff, as we all learned as Stanford football fans last week. So no predictions from me, but I can still give you keys to the game. For Stanford, well, besides the usual, get six points instead of three offensively and get off the field defensively, going to be watching the inside linebackers. That's going to be crucial. That's going to be absolutely crucial. Uh, with, with, with Ricky Miazon, who I liked what I saw from him on Saturday, brought some violence. He was out there hitting folks. Brought some violence to the position. I like that. A little attitude, a little nastiness. Ricky Miazon questionable, as is Lavani Damuni, the sophomore who came away with the interception and the fumble recovery. Pretty impressive uh, start for his, his Stanford career. So Stanford may have to move outside linebacker Gabe Reed, who wasn't healthy enough to play last week. They may have to move him to inside linebacker this week, if he's available. David Shaw with more. Gabe didn't practice last week. We're, we're, he was dressed last night and did some stuff last night. Um, Gabe's a senior. Gabe's played a lot of football for us. Um, he's got the ability to play multiple positions. Um, so uh, I would anticipate if he can go today, which is I'm still waiting to hear. If he can go today, he'll play some. He'll practice uh, some inside as well. Um, but he's ready to. He's ready to make that call wherever we need him. Um, he knows the off, he knows the defense extremely well. Um, but I would anticipate if he can go, that he'll he'll be in the practice uh, on the inside this week. Yeah, Gabe Reed actually number two behind Miazon on the depth chart this week. And you might remember it came down to Curtis Robinson, the normal starter, and uh, Spencer Jorgensen, who just became an inside linebacker a couple weeks ago. It was those two running at the inside linebacker spots in the fourth quarter by the time that rolled around last week in Eugene. So the inside linebackers for Stanford will be critical, especially against a team that has already shown some prowess. I Just one game, small sample size, yeah, sure. But still, when you roll up 264 yards rushing on an opposing team in Pac-12 play, that's still something. That's still something to uh, get, get some notice and, and to get folks' attention. So it's going to be very critical for those inside linebackers, no matter who they are, to be active throughout the course of the game and helping to stop, uh, stop up Colorado's rushing attack. By the way, they ran Broussard to the left a lot against UCLA. Similar things this week. Who knows? Depends on the matchups, obviously, but, but something, something to keep in mind. Other key for the game, besides the obvious, is this. Regardless of who the quarterback is, no matter how successful Stanford's running game is, there's going to be about five opportunities for Stanford quarterbacks to make big, game-changing throws. And they'll probably need to make all of them. Stanford only made some of them last week against Oregon. They're going to need to make all of them this time around, no matter who the quarterback is. Everyone would love to see Davis Mills back. Everyone that's, that's pulling for Stanford anyway. Everyone would love to see Davis Mills back. If it's not him, whether it's Jack West or Tanner McKee, whoever the quarterback is, they got to make big throws. Got to make big game-changing throws. So those are my keys to the game. 
and some things that I'll be keeping an eye on when I'm in the press box at Stanford Stadium. Can't wait for that. Well, what, what you got? What are you what are you watching? I'd love to hear from you. And what are your thoughts on Stanford football at this front at this point? I always welcome your feedback and your thoughts. Best way to do it is via Twitter and give me the hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast. That's the best way to ensure that I see your thoughts. If you haven't given me the follow, go for it. Why not? At Troy Clarity. At Troy Clarity is the way to go. Last misspelled C L A R D Y. Now that we are in football season, TreeCast come your way twice a week. We'll generally come at you on Thursdays and Sundays. Might shift that around a little bit during big game week because big game is is scheduled for Friday. Then again, who knows? As I say this, Cal versus Arizona State is still very much in the air, and it's Wednesday evening, and we still don't know if that game is going to be played. By the time you hear this, maybe we have some news on that, but, but who knows with Cal football this year. So as of right now, big game still scheduled to be held on November the 27th. So that week, we might move some things around with our posting schedule. But outside of that, we'll come at you twice a week during the football season with a preview episode, such as this, and a review episode. So we'll, next, we'll talk to you next time on Sunday, as we'll give you a complete recap, uh, postgame sound bites and such and witty commentary and banter from yours truly on the next episode of the TreeCast. Looking forward to bringing that to you at that point. And until then, thank you for checking us out, for being a part of the show. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Wear a mask. I can't believe I'm still having to say this, but, but again, here we are. Wear a mask. Mask it or casket talk to you on sunday on the tree cast with troy clarity presented by the believe podcast network